Ah, and we are live. Welcome back to Takes by Fans. We got a great show for you today. As always, we are live every single day at noon Eastern. If you want to watch live, head over to twitch.tv slash Takes by Fans. If you want to watch but not live, head over to our YouTube channel, Takes by Fans. We, we post all of our shows and clips of the show there on a daily basis. And if you just want to listen, we are on podcasting apps, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. So however you want to watch or listen, we've got you covered multiple ways. All right, today's a big old Saturday. Uh, you know, we're in the final week of the NBA, folks, of the regular season. So, you know, every game matters. And, you know, some teams stepped up to the plate yesterday, last night, and some teams floundered. So we're going to be talking about all those teams today. We'll adjust our power rankings as well every single day. I think that's what we're going to do instead of just kind of doing one more final power ranking. We're just going to kind of go through every single day because these games matter so much now for your playoff positioning, winning at the end of the season winning kind of you know when you have to kind of play you know a game then a day off and then a game and then a game and then a day off and then a game just to finish up this regular season so you know we're taking everything into consideration we want to see you winning at the end of the season we're prioritizing winning uh shoring up your playoff seating trying to get into the playoffs if you're not in there, trying to get in the playing tournament if you're not there. So we're going to take every single game over these over the next week, folks. I mean, next Sunday is the end of the regular season, folks. And then the play-in tournaments start um, the Tuesday, I believe. So we'll adjust the power rankings as we go through the games today, if necessary. Um, we already know one team we got to take out. I mean, mm, uh, they they betrayed us. We bet on them. We believed in them. We gave them the number 11 seed, and they betrayed us. They betrayed us. So we're going to have to take them out. Um, we're also continuing on with our um, draft grades. We finished up the AFC on Thursday. We had to do our power rankings on Friday, but we're back with the NFC East today looking at Washington, the Giants, uh, the Cowboys, and the Eagles grading all their draft pickups, their draft drafts. These. <laughs> so that's what we got on the show today, doing our moneymaker as well for tonight's action. So let's just start with the stories of the day. And yesterday we got our kind of first little sneak peek of the new Jets quarterback and new Jets wide receiver duo, Zach Wilson and Elijah Moore. We can blow this up. We got to microanalyze this, folks. It's only 10 seconds and we're about 50 yards away from the end zone. But Zach Wilson, look at that form, that first step back. Yes, sir. Light on his feet, throwing a nice strike right over the middle to Elijah Moore. Uh, so looking looking pretty good. I know it's only one throw, and, you know, it's like the first practice ever. But, hey, looking pretty good. <laughs> looking pretty good now. So it's what we have to look forward to, trying to just see what we can find. We've got to dig in and all the evidence that we can get. And, yeah, I know it's just a short little clip here, but it's a pretty nice strike for about, uh, what do we got, maybe 10, 15 yards down the field. Nothing, nothing big, just light work out here, just getting it done. But, uh, yeah, new Jets kind of dynasty starting, new Jets era starting with the quarterback wide receiver. They're kind of on good pace. But, but who's not on good pace, who we've just been believing in, is Robert Sala. The man doesn't even know he's a head coach. So during his press conference yesterday, taking some questions, he just goes in on this story of, like, how, you know, one day at practice, um, you know, he was just kind of standing around because it was the end of practice, and, you know, the head coach, uh, you know, kind of takes over at the end of practice. And Robert Sala was like, yeah, I heard the horn for the end of practice. 
practice, and I was just kind of sitting around waiting for the head coach to come by and, you know, wrap it up. And then he remembered, oh, I'm the head coach. Yes, Robert Sell, you are now the head coach. You have all these responsibilities. So um, hopefully, hopefully uh, this doesn't happen too much of Robert Sala where he's on the sideline and, you know, he doesn't even remember he's the new head coach anymore. Uh, but you know, I am decently excited for this Jets kind of team. Now, Robert Sala, we been believe we haven't been believers in as soon as that hire got announced, we weren't really buying it. But then the draft, he kind of won us over in the draft a little bit. And we'll see how he works out. But please remember that you're the head coach, Robert Sala, please. Dan Campbell, even though he's the head coach. I mean, geez. So that's what we're working with with the Jets. Um, you know, first couple of practices with Zach Wilson and Elijah Moore. And first couple of practices with Robert Sala, who doesn't even know he's the head coach. So uh, I don't know. Jets still might be a little dysfunctional this year. But we'll see how they <laughs> clean it up for the remainder of the offseason. Alrighty, and then, you know, another kind of odds here. We broke down a couple of yesterday of who's going to come out of the NFC East and who is going to be, um, what was the other one? Uh, we talked about it yesterday on the show. Uh, the odds of who would come out of the NFC East and who would, oh yeah, be the Bears starting quarterback week one, which Justin Fields is probably going to get that with those odds. But uh, today we got... Uh, Offensive Rookie of the Year odds, and I'm a little disappointed right here. Plus 300 is Trey Lance, plus 600 is Justin Fields, plus 600 is, or I butchered that, plus 300, plus 300 is Trevor Lawrence, plus 600 is Justin Fields, plus 600 is Trey Lance, and plus 700 is Zach Wilson. But where is our boy Najee Harris, folks? He's going to the Steelers, who just need a plug-and-play running back to take that team to potentially, hopefully, you know, decent playoff run, a deep playoff run. They've got the wide receivers, they've got the weapons, the defense is fine, and, you know, you just kind of have to rely on Big Ben's arm, but if that can't get it done, you've got a nice running back to kind of be able to take over. So I'm a little disappointed that um, PFF isn't adding Najee Harris, not really giving him a, le a legitimate chance here, just kind of sticking with the quarterbacks for the rookie of the year. And, you know, that's, you know, I, I get it. You know, quarterbacks, they, you know, do most of the yards and most of the production because they have their ball, they have the ball in their hands every single play and, you know, use the ball on more than 50% of the plays anyway. So I get it. But at the end of the day, I mean, Trevor Lawrence with the Jags, how much is he going to kind of elevate that team year one? Justin Fields, the same thing with the Bears. Trey Lance, is he even going to play this year? How is he have better odds than Zach Wilson? I don't even know. Um, so, uh, you know, with Najee Harris being, you know, already in kind of a playoff caliber team. I mean, the Jags aren't playoff caliber. The Bears are decently cal playoff caliber. So I'll give, you know, Justin Fields a little bit of an edge there to kind of go a little bit deeper and kind of help out a winning team. Trey Lance may not even start the season. I don't even think he'll start the season because, you know, they still got Jimmy Garoppolo. And this man was in the FCS, so take the year, sit behind Jimmy Garoppolo. There's really no rush to get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo now because they went with Trevor Lawrence over the other quarterbacks. And this man has probably um, the least experience out of all the quarterbacks, the least at a high level, I would say, because Mac Jones only has one season as well, so... 
but you know he was in Alabama, the pinnacle of college football. So these are the odds that they're working with, and if we just have to select one on the uh, uh, you know of one of the, of one of the odds that they just give us, and not you know kind of our own right in Najee Harris, we got to give it to probably uh, Justin Fields. You know he's already you know in a system that wants to win. It was winning with freaking uh, Mitch Trubisky. So if you can win with Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles on your team, you could probably win with Justin Fields, a rookie quarterback. So plus 600 odds for Justin Fields is looking pretty sweet to me, looking pretty good. And I'm I'm really kind of uh, mind boggled that they would put Trey Lance at plus 600 odds tied with Justin Fields when, when we kind of know, well, I guess we don't. I mean, I best. I, I guess you know. Right now, they are backup quarterbacks. The only kind of true starting rookie quarterbacks that we know of right now are Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson because they're the only quarterbacks on that roster. Where Justin Fields has to go beat out Andy Dalton, but we assume that. I mean, we just told you the odds. You know, plus one sixty of being the starter come week one. But then Trey Lance also being plus 600. What, I mean, we don't even think he's going to play this year. So how are you going to get Rookie of the Year if you're not even going to play this year? So uh, we'll see what happens here. And, you know, once again, these you know, these are just early odds, you know, months away from the start of the NFL season. You know, just day one, day two into, you know, the voluntary workouts for the rookies and all that. So, um, you know, still a lot of time to discuss all of it. Still a lot of time for, you know, the the kind of rosters to set to uh, start to take form a little bit more clearly. But, uh, yeah, Trey Lance at plus 600. It is a little bit of a, you know, uh, it is a little bit of weird seeing that uh, PFF ranks them him so high. Uh, but we'll see how it happens. Exactly, and that just kind of speaks to why Zach Wilson would be plus 700 if we know he's going to be starting 100% this season. So a little interesting here. <clears throat> Alrighty, here we go. Let's move on to this story. This one was bizarre, and I think we we just hinted on it. I think we might have kind of talked about it just kind of in that last segment of the show where we kind of go over breaking news if anything broke, but we kind of saw quickly that Brandon Bean had a quote saying that he was going to cut unvaccinated unvaccinated players, and then the NFL had to come out and be like, no, 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 no. You, you, you cannot do this. What the hell are you talking about? So let's see if uh, we get any quotes here. So... Here we go in this article. Comments made by Buffalo Bills general manager Brandon Bean this week regarding vaccinations got the league's office attention. Bean was asked if conceivably he might consider cutting an unvaccinated player if it meant the team being able to lift or loosen NFL COVID-19 protocol restrictions in person team meetings and Brandon Bean said yeah I would and then the NFL came back and was like mm, yeah you can't say that you are not allowed to cut a player if they are not vaccinated so I'm glad this is going a little checked I mean um, you know I think this entire you know I'm not trying to get political or anything like that about the vaccine I all right you know do whatever you want that's just my philosophy if you want it go get it if you don't want it don't get it I don't think it doesn't I just don't think well I don't even want to say that, but uh, get it if you want it. Don't get it if you don't. I don't really see why people are getting upset if one person doesn't get it and somebody does. I mean, um, you know, there's research out there, folks, and it doesn't cover, I believe, everything that uh, some people might think the vaccine covers, but that's a discussion for somebody else. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's a little ridiculous that we're already having, you know, these, you know, segregated stadiums of vaccination sections and unvaccinated sections. Now we're, we're getting kind of, you know, um, you know, teams and, uh, 
businesses out here that are kind of making it mandatory by incentives. You know, I'm sure there's going to be because the government can't just go and make vaccines mandatory. So, you know, you have to kind of, you know, have incentives of why businesses should go and, you know, make a rule of being vaccinated because they would get incentives by, you know, maybe in cutbacks by the government or anything like that. Tax breaks, um, kind of like what the hospitals did by getting everybody on a ventilator because the hospital was getting incentives money wise if they were having patients on ventilators if they were kind of you know if they had covid deaths they would get kind of more money because of a covid death out there so just these incentives are kind of going to make the the vaccine a little mandatory that's just my prediction i mean we were already kind of starting to see it during the entire covid process so i'm not i i, I would kind of assume that that's just going to continue to happen it just makes the most logical sense of all the information that i have seen <clears throat> But, uh, yeah, I was real kind of, you know, disappointed with this quote, but glad the NFL checked back. But at the end of the day, folks, I mean, this is going to be a real thing, folks. Unvaccinated versus vaccination, vaccinated people. I mean, that's that's a headline being pushed in the media by everybody. So uh, we'll see where it goes with it. But, um, you know, uh, we're already starting to see segregated stadiums with vaccinated and unvaccinated sections. So we'll see how to the extreme it goes. But, um yeah, I mean, I guess that's where we leave this. I don't know. Um, I'm trying not to get uh, deplatformed, <laughs> so we'll just kind of leave it at that. Um, all right, let's keep going here. All righty. Is, is this uh, kind of destiny so far? So let's uh, talk about this story real quick. Real interesting meme here a little bit. So last or Buccaneers go 7-9 and nine in 2019. They draft an offensive tackle with the 13th pick. Then they draft a defensive back in the second round who's named after a dad. Then they go and win the Super Bowl in their home stadium. So that's, you know, what led up to the Bucks winning the title. And, you know, if you want to talk about coincidences, well, the Chargers are just right on pace with exactly what the Bucks did on their build-up to the Super Bowl win. So here we go. The Chargers, they win 7-9 in 2020. They drafted an offensive tackle with the 13th pick, exactly like what the Bucks did. They they drafted a defensive back in the second round who's named after a dad, Asante Samuel Jr. And, and guess where the Super Bowl is being played this year? SoFi Stadium, the Chargers home stadium. So who knows? Maybe this is kind of the formula to win. They've cracked the code. So, and we saw just how great Justin Herbert was last year, folks. I mean, breaking all those rookie records, looking real clean. Let's get his official stats up. I want to say it was like six. 65% completion percentage, 4,200 yards, 22 touchdowns. It may have been 13 interceptions, maybe a little high, but let's get a, def a definite number on all of his stats because they were absolutely fantastic um, this season. Can he make that next step so quick? A new head coach. We know they got rid of Anthony Lynn at the head coaching position. Just couldn't really win the games close. That was their kind of big downfall. So here we go. Justin Herbert last year. 66% completion percentage. 4,300 yards. 31 touchdowns. 10 in Oh, my God. Oh, my God. What a year. Yo, what a year by this man. Truly so. Hey, I mean, an absolute stud of a first, round, of a first year rookie year. I mean, folks, you can't get better than that. 
that, folks. You truly can't get better than that. I don't even know if a quarterback that had a better year than Justin Herbert just kind of overall. Yeah, just Josh Allen had like 69% completion percentage. Aaron Rodgers had 70. But, folks, 33 to 1 touchdown to interception ratio, 4,300 yards. Oh, my God. I can't believe it. It's just absolutely astonishing rookie stats, folks. That's all you can say about it. So, if this kind of meme is true of following what the Bucks did in 2019, uh, you know, the Chargers following in their footsteps, in their footsteps almost to AT, and uh, we'll see if they can kind of take the next step. But, uh, you know, a definite kind of big kind of hurdle to overcome this season is the new head coach. Is he going to be able to kind of come in year one, pick up, I mean, exactly where they left off, folks, last season? I mean, they didn't get a lot of wins last year, went 6-9. and nine, But when we look at their schedule, we can go to their schedule real quick. Uh, games and schedule. I mean, just close games. Here we go. The loss, overtime. Their first loss, it's overtime against the Chiefs, 20-23. to Then they lose to the Panthers, 16-21. to Then they lose to the Bucks, the Super Bowl champions, by only one score, 38-31. to We'll take that. The man threw three touchdowns against that Bucks defense. We'll take it. I know it's early on in the season against that early Bucks team, and that early Bucks team wasn't good, but we still got to give the man a little bit of credit there. All right, and then another overtime loss, this time against the Saints. So they go into overtime against the Chiefs. They go into overtime against the Saints. They almost beat the Bucs. They're competitive with the Bucs. They lose against the Saints 30-27 to in overtime. Once again, that three-point loss. Then they get the win against Jacksonville by 10, double-digit win. That's what we love to see. But then they lose by one against the Broncos. They lose 31-26 to against the Raiders. They lose by eight against the Dolphins, 29-21. They finally beat the Jets. Yes, they put up 34 points. Look at that. Points, three touchdowns, no picks, 347 yards by Justin Herbert. 75%. Folks, this is a rookie quarterback we're talking about. He's just absolutely fantastic. Um, but then they're back to losing against the Bills, 17-27, to their first double-digit loss of the season. They lose against the Patriots 45 to nothing a really fluke game we got to kind of just you know alrighty that was a bad one the Patriots weren't even good all season the you know the the Chargers weren't great all season they were still losing games but they were competitive just kind of this fluke week 13 not a huge game um, Justin Herbert didn't play great zero touchdowns two interceptions two of his 10 coming from one game folks so really we can kind of adjust his total a smidge to 31 touchdowns and eight interceptions and I mean now we're starting to get up to four to one touchdown to interception ratio absolutely freaking fantastic but then even even better folks they just close out the season after getting blown out by the Patriots they, they flip the switch and they win their last four games of the season beating Atlanta by three Beating the Raiders by three in overtime. Finally getting that overtime win. Jeez. Um, they beat the Broncos by three. And they beat the Chiefs by 17 points. Granted that the Chiefs rested everybody week 17. But at the end of the day, you went and did exactly what you were supposed to do. So fantastic. Winning your last four games. Absolutely building that winning culture coming into the season. Unfortunately. Oh, no. And they had the head coach. Because didn't they fire Anthony Lynn kind of halfway through? Is that correct? When did they fire Anthony Lynn? Hmm. Was it at the end of the season? It may have been at the end of the season. I don't know if I can look at that quickly. When did, uh, let's see if we can Google that quickly. Because if you got, you know, fired, you know, midway through the season, those last four games are with, you know, the interim head coach, maybe not the new head coach. So, 
um, in 20, January 4th. So that was after the season. Yeah, unfortunately. So, you know, this new head coach is going to be kind of the biggest factor working against this Chargers team. But everything, Justin Herbert, if he's ready to take that next step. And man, oh man, just look at some of these completion percentage games. 80% on 25 throws. 71% on 49 throws, folks. Uh, 63% on 44 throws. 65% on 44 throws. 66% on 42 throws. 75% on 49 throws, folks. Oh, my goodness. Even 59% on 52 throws. I'll give them that. Yeah, why not? Um, you know, we're not obviously not counting this Patriots game. 49% on 53 throws. Now, that we definitely can't get behind, all right? <laughs> uh, but then, you know, back to 81% on 44 throws, folks. 71% on 31 throws. I mean, it's just absolutely fantastic. So... The infrastructure is there. The quarterback is there. And let's see if these draft picks pan out as good as the Bucks draft picks of the offensive tackle at the 13th pick and the defensive back in the second round. If the, if the Chargers picks can kind of mirror what they did, make it win the Super Bowl. How crazy is that? Chargers, Justin mother-loving Herbert, folks. What a season. What a rookie year. Fantastic. Alrighty, and speaking of a quarterback that definitely needs to step up here, players with at least 55,000 passing yards and 300 passing touchdowns in their first 13 seasons. Here's the list, folks. Matt Ryan. That's the list. So, I mean, what's the issue, Matt Ryan? Why can't you get back into kind of the playoffs, get a deep, another deep playoff run? We saw them lose and lose a big lead in the Super Bowl. Now you can kind of, you know, split up the blame however you want. We saw Kyle Shanahan. That's kind of his MO, blowing the leads in big games. He did it with the Falcons. He went to the Niners, got to the Super Bowl, did it with the Niners, unfortunately. 10-point um, lead going into the fourth quarter, and once again, you blow the lead. Now, the quarterbacks definitely did not help them in that game. Matt Ryan a little floundered in the third in the you know fourth quarter just because they were throwing the ball not running the ball so maybe a little bit more blame on Kyle Shanahan there um and then you know in the Super Bowl with the 49ers Jimmy Garoppolo just being careless with the ball not getting it done so uh you know Matt Ryan he's got a plethora of offensive talent Julio Jones now new the newly acquired tight end of Kyle Pitts you've still got Calvin Ridley uh we'll see what the running game is going to be looking like this year we'll see what the new head coach does this year for the Falcons but man I'm man you know if you're just looking at stats Matt Ryan's an elite talent but we have to see him start to win the games win the big games win games consistently I mean let's like let's look at what he did last season let's get his stats up <clears throat> let's uh well first we'll just compare it to really kind of Justin Herbert since we've already looked at him today but this is what Matt Ryan did last season 65% completion percentage 4,500 yards which is fantastic I love that Matt Ryan's always in 4,000 plus yard uh, categories, folks. It's fantastic. Um, 26 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. So, honestly, Justin Herbert had a little bit of a better year, honestly. The only thing that Matt Ryan did better was 300 more passing yards, but percentage, completion percentage lower, touchdowns lower, interceptions higher. So, Justin Herbert, his rookie year with, I mean, not even close to the weapons that, you know, Matt Ryan is working with offensively, and Justin Herbert had a little bit of a better year. So, Matt Ryan, better get, uh, better get on your high horse a little bit here. Get it up. I mean, you, you led your team to four and twelve, seven and eight the year before that, seven and nine the year before that. So these last three seasons, sorry about hit that, but um, 
these last three seasons just not getting it done winning games and that's what we need to do yes your stats are good I mean look at this year 2018 where he throws 4,900 yards very close to 5,000 and that would have been fantastic uh, 35 touchdowns seven interceptions but once again it only leads to seven wins so his plays not getting it done the defense also isn't going to get it done you know the defense is to blame a little bit for the kind of lack of success of the Falcons and that's kind of why they had to move off of Dan Quinn just because that defense was wasn't getting it done, but really no excuses here for Matt Ryan. Need to step it up and win that Super Bowl. You're better than not having a Super Bowl win here. Look at all these 4,000-yard seasons. Look at all these. I mean, the only time he's ever thrown 50% completion percentage was his second year. After that, he's always 61% and above. So he's got the stats to be elite in this uh, in, in the league. He just has to go out and win the games. And, uh, you know, the defense is part of that. But uh, offensive weapon-wise... He's got no excuses there. So we'll see how he's able to kind of turn around this season. Got to win now, man. This team is in a win-now mode. And, you know, we'll definitely know a little bit clearer about this uh, Falcons organization and their team as kind of a whole once kind of, uh, you know, Julio Jones... Um, you know, the June 1st kind of comes where, you know, the Falcons can save a lot of money against the salary cap if they trade him after June 1st. So we'll see how that all plays out if they keep him, if they trade him. But uh, Matt Ryan, no, really no excuses out here. You're too great of a quarterback. You're too great of a passer stats-wise to be this mediocre record-wise of 7-9, and 7-8 and, and just 4-9 and nine last season. Or what did we say, 4-12? and 12? Yeah, I can't believe that four and twelve last year. Absolutely trash. But these stats are great. I, I it's it's kind of disgusting and a lot upsetting to watch, honestly. Um, let's go to their game logs quickly, and then we'll move off from the story. But let's just see how many games they got blown out in. Is it all the defense's fault here, or are they all just close games like those Chargers games we were talking about? So here we go. First game up. Oh, they lose. Oh my God, they got it. Oh my God. Uh, five game losing streak. First game they lose by thirteen. They lose by one. They lose by four. They lose by. 14, they lose by 8, 7. So a couple of blowouts there. Then they finally get the win against Minnesota. Nice blowout win. But then they lose against the Lions by one point. They beat the Panthers. They beat the Denver Broncos. And then they're back to losing 9-24. Big blowout loss there. They blow out the Raiders. Finally, they get the, they, they're the ones blowing them out. But Matt Ryan didn't even play good in this game. They put up 43 points. And Matt Ryan scored two touchdowns on 56% completion percentage and 185 yards. Nothing great there. And then they lose their last one, two, three, four, five games of the season. 16-21. That's close. 20 to 17, that's close. 31 to 27, that's close. 17 to 14, that's close. And then the last game of the season just getting blown out there um, by Tampa Bay. 44 to 27. Tampa Bay was trying to play off for play for playoff positioning. So of course they're gonna blow out the Falcons who have nothing to play for. So yes, the defense does have, you know, some blame in this, but Matt Ryan just kind of not getting it done in some of those other games as well. I mean, there's a couple of games where he's got no interceptions or no touchdowns. One, two, three, four, four games with no touchdowns. One, two, three, four games with one. So half the season, one or no touchdowns in those games. That's not going to get it done in this league, folks. So 
Matt Ryan, just be a little bit better out here. We know you can do it, so that's not the problem. We just have to see you go do it. Have the team, have the infrastructure, have the coaching staff around you to get it done. So we'll see how uh, the uh, Falcons do this season, but uh, definitely a do-or-die season for them, especially, you know, keeping the band together thus far in the kind of offseason. You know, if they were trading Julio Jones and trading Matt Ryan, then, you know, obviously, you know, the Falcons are in a rebuild, but they're keeping everybody, and they're, they, they think they can win with this offense now. So we'll see what they can do this season if the new head coach can step it up a little bit. <clears throat> Alrighty, and man, oh man, Stephen A. Smith was preaching yesterday, folks. Woo, boy. He had a little kind of a statement for Kyrie Irving, and I completely agree with everything that this man has said. Um, so, you know, just basically, you know, talking about, you know, Kyrie Irving, how we've talked about, he got fined $35,000 for repeated refusal to participate in post-game availability to the media. So getting, you know, that's not just one time. He does it consistently, not showing up, not going to the podium, not going to the after-game press conference. And that's not what this kind of uh, Nets team needs right now. You just got bitched by the Bucks back-to-back games. I mean, folks, we're talking about one of their biggest competitors in the Eastern Conference and we're in the back half of the season, the final the final week, final week and a half, however you want to call it it's the final week of the regular season and Kyrie Irving and the Nets are still losing, not getting it done not getting it done so <clears throat> They've got the distraction of them losing games. Still no James Harden. Kyrie Irving won't go to the media. And, you know, Stephen A. Uh, Stephen A. Smith just puts it right. Kyrie Irving wants to do all this talk and, you know, kind of, you know, praise how good he is and the good he's doing in the community. So go to the media. Go to the podium. So what's the deal? You have all these kind of world-changing ideas, but then you don't use your platform for them. So what is that about? What else is he saying? Right, just going back to, you know, you saying you have stuff to say about important issues, but then he doesn't show up to the media availability. And, you know, he has to kind of take it upon himself to go get the wins. Why is he not elevating his game to carry the squad? That's what LeBron James does. And, you know, we hear that Kyrie Irving thinks of his, uh, thinks of himself as a true number one in this league. But a true number one isn't going to stand by on the court and idly watch his team lose against Eastern Conference opponents at the back end of the season, folks. So, Kyrie Irving doesn't improve everybody else's play. Yes, he just just dropped 45 the other night, but they lost. So what is that telling us, folks? Yes, he's great individually, and we know this. Nobody's ever disputing this. We're disputing that he's not a great leader, a great number one that could just command the floor while kind of getting the points and facilitating the floor like James Harden did, folks. I don't I think anybody truly appreciates how great James Harden was this season, folks. And, you know, every time I try to bring up this point, Everyone's like, oh, well, he was on a stacked team. Folks, Kevin Durant played 10 games with James Harden, folks. Kyrie Irving, you know, missed a couple of games here and there. And it was really just James Harden, the solid piece that was always there, night in, night out, facilitating the floor. That's why he's the only point guard in this league to average double-digit assists for the season, folks. While, while averaging 25 points. So he was still getting his buckets while facilitating the floor. 
for everybody else to get involved, but with Kyrie Irving, he doesn't get everybody else involved like James Harden does. So what are we talking about, man? This Nets team with just Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant is not going to get it done because there is no clear-cut leadership on this team, folks. It's not Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving doesn't even want to be a point guard. Remember, when it was just Kyrie Irving and James Harden out there, you know, early on in the season when James Harden had a phenomenal game, Kyrie Irving took the media availability to go and further his own name by saying, hey, James Harden's the point guard. Don't look at me for being the point guard. I'm just a scorer out here. This is all I do. Don't look at me. James Harden's our guy. He's the facilitator. He's the point guard. He's the leader. So he, like, openly passed that number one, number one option to James Harden, and he's still acting like a number one out here. So um, if you have the time... Definitely listen to what Stephen A. Smith says here. I complete. It's on my like tweets. I'm sure you can find it. it's on his own Twitter. Uh, but it's just everything he says is just completely true. You know why not talk to the media if you have all these great ideas? Why you know why are you why is your team losing? But you know why is your team losing when they're so great? You know why is this team losing? Why is this Nets team specifically losing? Because, you know, we were all talking about you, you know, basically sweeping the regular season, sweeping the playoffs, sweeping the finals, no problem, no competition. You built the super team, and now you're second in the Eastern Conference and, you know, losing four straight games at the back end of the season. So it's just everything, you know, Stephen A. Smith was absolutely on point. We'll see what Kyrie Irving kind of says in rebuttal to, the, rebuttal to this because, you know, we know the rant is coming when he finally goes to the media availability so he doesn't get fined anymore. And then he has to kind of, you know, he's just going to be annoyed when he gets there and it's just going to be him attacking the media. The media kind of trying, not trying to kind of antagonize, but maybe it's the media. You never know. Uh, maybe antagonizing him a little bit or kind of, you know, twisting his words around to get a nice quote. And then that's going to be the Kyrie Irving that we're going to be hearing from an irritated, aggravated Kyrie Irving, which just makes me irritated because he's irritated and just being annoying. So, um, well done, Stephen A. Smith. Put it as uh, He put it flawlessly, folks. Absolutely flawlessly how he kind of uh, framed the Kyrie Irving situation. And I have not gone to the replies yet. I saved this for the show because, folks, folks, Kyrie Irving has one of the most... Um, annoyingly loyal fan bases that will always go and defend him no matter what will basically you know basically just classic stands on Twitter folks just annoying people not taking into account any of the facts just openly defending Kyrie Irving no matter what he does and just trying to kind of embarrass and dunk on other people that kind of you know like Stephen A. Smith like me that have different opinions and folks we're we're just clear we're only I'm only talking basketball I'm I'm only talking sports like you can do whatever you want in your community that's fine that's fantastic but you know I don't really care a hundred percent about that you know and I, I, I'm not trying to you know have that as like disrespect or you know come in thinking of me like I don't care about anybody besides myself or anything like that I'm just saying I am talking sports I like sports because I love competition I love high level competition I love the the methods of winning getting inside people's head outsmarting the other player so when I talk sports I only talk what you're doing on the field if you want to you know be all you know la da charity donating giving away doing great in your community during you know during your your own time that's fine that's great I'm never gonna knock that I'm never gonna knock that never ever uh, but I only care what you do on the field and you know what you're saying on the court and what you're doing in game uh, you know just what you're doing in the game and Kyrie Irving 
He's annoying. <laughs> He's annoying on the court. He's annoying in the press conferences. So that's why we knock Kyrie Irving. It's not any of his basketball skills. He's a fantastic player, but he's not as great as he thinks he is in terms of leadership in the number one kind of over, like being a number one, A1, tier one, number one in this league. He's not that, folks. He's not. So that's where, you know, that's where I call out Kyrie Irving just a little bit, but... So let's go into these comments very quickly. Um, I'm sure it's going to be... I probably won't even be able to say any of these, but let's just see what the reactions are on Twitter in the comments on what Stephen A. Smith about Kyrie Irving. So here we go. Also, we tweeted... <laughs> We tweeted under this video, I said a trillion percent agree with everything Stephen A. Smith said. I didn't say I a trillion percent agree. And then somebody three hours ago, I mean, folks, this was 18 hours ago I said this. And this man just comes three hours ago, says, glad you made this comment. Shows how true it is. LOL. First part, there aren't a trillion people. So false. I wasn't saying a trillion people percent. Uh, I wasn't saying a trillion people agree. I said a trillion percent agree with everything Stephen A. Smith said, as in I agree a trillion percent. So that's already the stuff we're working with folks you know so alrighty Kyrie is a super talent a basketball artist and a good human being at his core but he is such a bad professional and it's hard to root for oh my goodness oh so okay people are kind of you know agreeing with us this is exactly how we feel folks he's a bad professional he's an annoying professional it's hard to root for and appreciate what he does on and off the court I mean truly fantastic how that man puts it um do you watch the NBA for post-media interviews or the game? I mean, once again, folks, it's it's, it's everything. Uh, it's everything, folks. It's everything around the game, around the game. And, yes, you know, media interviews because, you know, when you're not there, you're distracting the team. So, you know, your leadership ability is now being questioned because you're making it all about you by not going, going to the media availability. And, you know, now you're getting fined. The team's getting fined. This is a distraction. You're losing four straight games. So, yeah. Yes, yes, the media interview, it's not, you know, it's it's about like one, maybe two percent of the totality of all the information that we need to kind of collect and interpret and analyze and just kind of see how it kind of plays out in the entire course of the season and compared to everybody else. So yes, media, media interviews have something to do with the player of the game. All right, I don't like Kyrie, but Stephen A. Smith is honestly just reaching at this point. No, he's not, folks. I honestly think he is a thousand percent on the money on this one. Um, I want the Nets to lose in the first round, kind of too. Honestly, yeah. I mean, let's just kind of look out. You know, it, you know. Let's take away the playing tournament, all that. Just kind of go through the first eight seeds here. Classic playoffs. So I mean, they would face the Heat first round, and yeah, we would love to see the Heat upset them. Absolutely. So yeah, I would love to see the Nets lose first round. Um, Wizards Nets first round. Yeah, that's the matchup. I definitely want to see Russell Westbrook versus Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Russell Westbrook has the opportunity to dethrone that big team. And you know, Russell Westbrook would love nothing more than to do that because he's kind of felt left out of that kind of initial trio of, uh, the OG OKC Thunder team. So yeah, I would love to see that. Uh, this is you talking to Kyrie, you know, talking to a brick wall. Truly that. He never changes. And, you know, that's that, – that, if you don't want to change, I don't care if you don't change. Truly. But then don't get upset at other people, you know, for calling you out. If you're in the media, if you're making yourself out there, you have to open yourself up to criticism, folks. And that goes for me, too. I am putting myself out there. I'm on the internet. Here I am. Blah, 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 blah. I'm live every single day. So, yes, I'm putting myself um, – 
up for criticism because I'm putting myself out there. That's just the a little unfortunate part about, you know, athletes having to become superstars. They're getting paid all this money. They're on television every single night. They're getting interviewed every single day. So they have to put themselves out there. So, you know, you are out there. So you have to be open up to criticism. So that's just how it is. If you're out there, if you're putting yourself out there, you have to be open up to criticism. And Kyrie Irving definitely does not take criticism well, as we all know. That's why he does not go to the pre post-game media availability sessions anymore. Um, all right. The blood, sweat, and tears, all the heartaches and crushing losses that you overcome being counted out and still coming through. Eli, all right, now we're going to, Eli was never the most exciting player or the loudest. Definitively wasn't a prima donna like your boy Rogers, but he played his. All righty. I don't know what that's supposed to be about. <laughs> I don't know what that comment's supposed to be about. All right, let's go to this one. Kyrie Irving has vocalized the personal challenges he's dealing with within real time while also stressing without it really being the business of the media that there are health issues involved. He doesn't owe y'all anything. Yes, he doesn't owe us anything, but he's in the media. He is a media figure, so he has to kind of, you know, say what he wants to say, not try to have his words twisted, you know, has to kind of come out there 100% kind of in his ideas, and then he's kind of, you know, throwing out the mental... It's always an issue with Kyrie Irving that he's, you know, throws out there, so... Um, it sounds more personal for the media than him. It's like they're fiending... To twist one of his phrases, if he doesn't answer the way they want him to, that's going to be on SportsCenter 2, shaking my head. I don't agree, man. I don't agree. I mean, you can just kind of take what he says, I mean, just verbatim. And, you know, not you don't have to twist Kyrie Irving's words to kind of, you know, see what his true intentions are when he's talking. You don't need to do that. Uh, Kyrie Irving, or Kyrie really has helped your show this season. I'm going to have to disagree with Steven on this one. All right. I understand you have a job to do, but this mandatory having to speak with the media to me isn't fair to the players. I mean, folks, you're getting paid millions of dollars and I don't want to put the money into this because, you know, I don't, you know, just because you get paid a lot of money doesn't mean you should have to be, you know, open up all these criticisms, but that's the job, folks. That's it's the NBA is a business. It's not just doing it on the field. If it was just doing it on the field, probably a lot more people would be playing um or not having their careers cut short but yes this uh, this media availability is part of the job it's unfortunate like i said i don't think i would want to kind of be in this limelight if i was just an athlete trying to play a sport but look take a page out of Kawhi leonard's book it's like there's other people doing this you can be a great player just i mean just what makes Kyrie irving so polarizing is that he's saying stuff every single time about different issues and whining he's folks he wants to be a vocal leader about change so if you're going to be a vocal leader about change you're always going to get pushback you're always going to get criticism so you're once again you're opening yourself up to that you have to accept that criticism because you're putting your ideas you're putting your voice you're putting yourself out there folks it just comes with the territory man it truly does it's unfortunate trust me it is unfortunate but that's how it is <clears throat> 
And I don't want to say, you know, oh, that's just how it is, folks. That's just, it's, it's just how it has to be. There needs to be money to be made to play these players players um, and athletes, how they get paid. This is where the money comes from, folks. It's all part of the gig. It's unfortunate. Going out and helping your community, mandatory, folks. Uh, you know, uh, during all those kind of Thanksgivings where we see, you know, the football players handing out meals to the homeless and all of this, folks. That's mandatory, folks. You have to do that. It's part of the job. It's your the community service of the organization that wants to be in a good light to the public. So they use the players to do that, folks. I, um. All right. What else do we get? Um. Pretty ki- Pretty cringe. No cap. Stephen A. Smith is a walking L these days. This is this is the type of you know Twitter people we're dealing with, folks. When we have to you know when we talk about Kyrie Irving, this is why we always have to preface every single Kyrie Irving speech that we do with he's a great basketball player. Nobody's ever doubting that he's a fantastic two. He hit the big shot in the finals, absolutely fantastic. Helped LeBron win a ring, absolutely. Nobody's doubting that, but he's not a number one, folks. He's truly not. Um, two months ago, you said he should retire. That is true. I never got behind that. That was, that was a little ridiculous to say that this man should just retire. I didn't agree with that one, but, uh, that's where we're at with Kyrie Irving right now. So we'll see his next media availability session, folks. That's going to be the key. How is he going to come out and take all this kind of backlash to being fined of me criticizing? I'm sure he's heard and Stephen S, uh, Stephen A. Smith criticizing him. So, um, I guess that's where we leave it for today until more Kyrie Irving news comes out. But the Nets aren't winning, and Kyrie Irving's on a stacked team. So I don't know what y'all want from me. The Knicks are doing just fine, and they ain't got no superstar. They got Julius Randle, folks, who everybody clowned every single year until this year. Derrick Rose, who couldn't stay healthy, who's leading the bench. Taj Gibson, who's making a comeback because he's got a good coach. Julius Randle, we already said, but we'll say it twice because he's that good this year. So I don't know what to tell y'all, folks. We'll leave it at that. (laughs) We'll leave it at that. All right, we can go to this one real quick. Anthony Edwards doesn't have a problem with Carl Anthony Towns and Jimmy trash talking. Yes, they shouldn't. What is what is up with that trash talk? Yes, talk trash on the floor. I love hearing it. Um, you know, it's just a natural process of just talking trash. Not everything is meant to be, you know, taken a hundred percent, you know, to your core, literally, figuratively. However, it's affecting you. It's just trash talk, folks. We are competing against other competitors that want to win and want to be the greatest and want to be the greatest of all time and want to win the championship so yes it's going to get a little kind of you know spicy out there the trash talk a little bumping hopefully not too much you know we're not trying to throw elbows around here trying to keep it you know civil on the floor but it's just physically civil not uh, trash talking civil uh but yeah i mean and this is a rookie that's saying this so yes i mean not everything needs to be taken personally people love a challenge people love competition you talk your shit on the floor you do this you do this you win you lose you shake hands at the end i'll get you next time and i'm still talking shit the next time we step on the floor together because i'm getting the win next time better believe that better believe that so, Anthony Edwards says, man, they grown man, dog. They just be talking. They just be talking, folks. That is truly it. People, I'm just talking, folks. I'm literally just talking. I love sports, and I love talking sports, so I'm just talking, folks. Man, they grown man, dog. They just be talking, and that needs to be applied for every single situation. People are just talking, folks. People are just talking. That's what I I should just name the show to that. Just people just talking, folks. People are just talking. Uh, no longer takes by fans. Don't call us that anymore. Call us people just be talking, folks. That's that's the new uh, name of the show. But 
Uh, let's go over this quote again because it's so good. Uh, man, they grown men, dog. They just be talking, having a regular conversation, if you ask me. It's no competition if we not talking shit to each other. Yeah, you know, yeah. I hit the three. Russell Westbrook getting the triple-double. Russell Westbrook hitting the three in your face. Bingo, bango. We just took the lead. What's good? Y'all are fucking trash, y'all. Come on. You can't even guard little old me, little old Russell Westbrook. I'm weaving and bobbing in your defense, scoring at the rim, triple-double, and only had three turnovers this game. Y'all, I averaged like six to seven. Y'all only got me on the three. Y'all are trash, y'all. Y'all are so trash. Y'all only forced three turnovers out of me this game. Goddamn. That's the thing. That's the competition. Getting in your opponent's head. Making that move, making them think you want to do something and then taking another action because you made them believe that you were going to do a certain move, but you did a different move because you were playing off of them, biting on that original move. Folks, it's everything in sports, folks. I love it. So, yes, I've got no problem with the trash talk. Talk that ish, boy. Talk that. I love it. Um, if there was just an option where I could turn off the announcers on my television during games and just hear on, like if there was a thousand microphones like on the court and in every single blade of grass on the field, I'm listening to that. I want to hear what the people are saying, folks, truly. So Anthony Edwards, the rookie out here, already knows the ins and out of the league, folks. He knows. He knows people are just talking, folks. We are just talking. Alrighty, last story to go over here, and you know, bad news here, but uh, does it matter? Does it really matter? Uh, so the Pelicans announced Zion Williamson will be sidelined indefinitely, basically for the rest of the season, folks. There are like five games left. With a fractured left ring finger, truly unfortunate. This man's an absolute beast, folks. We've seen this for the last two seasons. Season and a half. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Zion Williamson, he's going to be great in this league. Got it done this season. Absolutely fantastic. Just, unfortunately, the overall total team couldn't get it done. Zion Williamson putting up, like, 25 to 30-plus points every single night on 60, 75, 80, 90. He ever shoot 90% in the game? I'm sure he did. But, um, I mean, just getting it done super efficient, folks. I don't think there's anybody else as efficient as Zion Williamson was this season. So, so much to respect goes to Zion Williamson this year absolutely fantastic just unfortunately the supporting cast Eric Bledsoe really lackluster all season Lonzo was decently consistent um, you know, just kind of, you know, he, I don't know if Lonzo can really run the floor when, you know, it, your offense is kind of big down low orientated with Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson just kind of being your primary scores. So it just kind of seems like Lonzo ball doesn't quite fit in this scheme. Truly unfortunate. And Eric Bledsoe, I mean, man, oh man, that man was not doing anything. Decent defense all season, but man, oh man, we've got to start to score some points at some times. And that was kind of the big downfall of the Pelicans this season. They didn't have that bench to kind of, you know, real, for reliable scoring when the starters are out. Eric Bledsoe, very lackluster. Steven Adams, I like the I, I like the roof for the man, but he didn't have that great of a season this year. So not the best overall team here with the Pelicans. Really kind of underperformed all season long. Really no chance of getting into the playing tournament now. What do we got? Uh, I guess they're only a game and a half back. Is that right? <clears throat> Um, two and a half games back now. Truly unfortunate. They lost last night. The Kings lost last night. The Spurs win further, kind of advancing themselves here. So truly just unfortunate here from the Pelicans. 
couldn't get it done. And did you see what Lonzo Ball did last night? Two point away from beating the 76ers without Zion Williamson. That's why I don't think Zion Williamson and Lonzo Ball can kind of work together. Two different offenses. Zion needs to be down low. Lonzo really doesn't thrive by feeding down the paint. That's why he didn't really work with LeBron James either. With that LeBron James, Anthony Davis, he never really fit in there either. So just not the scheme here for Lonzo, it feels. And uh, Zion's going to be out for the rest of the season. Pelicans really don't have a chance at a playoff, um, and we'll see what they do next season. But if they keep this roster, it's still not going to work. I mean, they, we've given it plenty of time. We gave it a full season, folks. It's never really changed from the first tip-off to the last tip-off here where Zion w Williamson was playing. So um, we'll see what happens. Um, not a big fan of the coach either. Stan Van Gundy, not the biggest fan of his either. So definitely we'll see what direction the Pelicans are going to move in this offseason. But uh, obviously they're going to keep Zion. I mean, that's their cash cow, folks. That's their, I mean, great player. I mean, yes, he's making the money, but he's also getting it done, folks. So Zion Williamson is out for basically the rest of the season. They say indefinitely, and like we said, there's five games left. He's not coming back. Especially when they have really no chance of making the playing tournament. There's no reason to play him. Alrighty, those were all the stories that we needed to cover for today. <clears throat> so let's head over to the NBA. We'll break down the games from last night. We'll kind of adjust our power rankings if we need to by going through all these games. We'll do our moneymaker for tonight's action. And then we'll head over to the NFC East and start handing out some grades on the draft. So let's get right into it. The first game up, the Pelicans and the 76ers. Truly unfortunate here. We can start with some tape on this one. Tobias mother-loving Harris, folks. An absolutely clutch shot um, to kind of score the final points of the game absolutely fantastic so here we go 76ers are down a point here 107 106 with one minute 15 seconds left they pass Tobias Harris the ball in the corner and this man drains it baby one of the most consistent players on this 76ers roster if it was not for Tobias Harris this season the 76ers would not be the number one seed folks he is that great yes we all know Joel Embiid yes we all know Ben Simmons but Tobias Harris man he gets it done defensively Reboarding, assisting, points-wise, everything. He does it all consistently. Danny Green's not even as consistent as him, folks. So well done to Tobias Harris. Absolutely magnificent. Truly kind of slept on this year. Um, you know, if there was kind of a fifth man of the year, of just kind of a non-superstar on your team that is always consistent, we got to definitely, definitely look at Tobias Harris for that. So shout out to T Tobias Harris. An absolute money shot from three to put them up, too. And then the Pelicans with the last shot, it goes to Eric Bledsoe, and he tries to kind of wrap around down low in the paint, hand the ball off down low, and he forces a turnover. He commits a turnover. Another reason Eric Bledsoe's not the greatest fit here for this Pelicans team. So 76ers hold on to a two-point win, 109-107 over the Pelicans. Well done to the 76ers. So let's start with them first. Seth Curry back at the two. Ben Simmons back at the one. So a little bit of an interesting lineup there. And really, um, they still had decent success so you know that kind of switch up where we saw Ben Simmons at the two Seth Curry at the one for a couple it was like two games uh, and it worked out but they're back here at you know the one and two Ben Simmons one Seth Curry two and still had pretty good success here so Ben Simmons eight points but 10 assists nine rebounds getting it done Seth Curry, 16 points, 5 assists, 6 rebounds that's exactly what we're talking about 4 of 8 from 3 yes sir still getting it done at the two 
Then Joel Embiid, 37 points, 13 rebounds, 3 of 4 from 3, spreading the floor. Tobias Harris, 17 points, second leading scorer for the squad, 3 of 5 from 3, hitting that big one late, the last point scored in the game. And then we go to Danny Green, you know, 8 points, 2 of 8 from 3, 3 of 10 from the field, just kind of a little mediocre out there. Once again, you know, Tobias Harris, that other offensive scorer, we really can't trust Seth Curry and Danny Green to give us that kind of third scoring ability, but that's where Tobias Harris comes in, folks. Truly underrated. <clears throat> Alrighty, off the bench here for the 76ers, we get uh, George Hill, 11 points, 2 rebounds. He's going to be big in this playoff run. Hopefully, he can kind of get it done. Shake Milton, a bad game of 5 points on 1 of 5 from the field. Dwight Howard in 14 minutes, 15 minutes, 4 points, 9 rebounds. Still decently getting it done. So, the bench is still, you know, pretty decent. Um, you know, no big game from Shake Milton. But Tobias Harris says, just hold on. I'm cashing out threes for the win. So, well done. <clears throat> And now for the Pelicans, unfortunate. No, um, no, er, or no, um, Brandon Ingram, no Steven Adams, no Zion Williamson, but they almost win the game. And it's a little kind of surprising. It shouldn't have been like this, but it was. So well done to kind of Lonzo Ball to be the little facilitator. Great kind of bench production because everybody off the bench is playing big minutes because there's really no stars in the game anymore. So you can kind of, you know, rotate uh, Najee Marshall, James Johnson, and Willie Hernando Gomez. I mean, folks, that's three of their starters right there. You can easily replace any of those players. So. Uh, this was their lineup that they were rocked with. Lonzo at the one, Eric Bledsoe at the two, Najee Marshall at the three, James Johnson at the four, Willie Hernando Gomez at the five. Here we go. Lonzo Ball, 18 points, three assists, seven rebounds, four of 13 from three. Eh, little, little not great. Uh, Eric Bledsoe, 18 points on one of seven from three. Once again, he had that turnover at the end of the game. Not great. Willie Hernando Gomez, 11 points, nine rebounds. Solid out there. James Johnson, 10 points, four rebounds. Najee Marshall, four points on 20% shooting on 10 shots. Not getting it done, but we got this bench down here. Kiera Lewis Jr., 13 points, 4 assists, 4 rebounds in 21 minutes off the bench. Jackson Hayes taking 16 shots, 19 points, led the team in scoring. Love seeing Jackson Hayes get some action out here. Got a little, little handed defensively just because he's playing down low against Joel Embiid. He was still plus 5 on the floor, so we can still take it as good defensive effort. But, you know, definitely, we if you watch the game, you truly saw kind of the size and powerful difference down there of Jackson Hayes. But we still love him as a player um, and led the team in scoring, so we can definitely get beyond that 8 rebounds to go along with all that so we'll take it <clears throat> and then uh Wenyan Gabriel 12 points five rebounds out there in 21 minutes off the bench so not bad overall by the Pelicans tried their best unfortunately you know you don't have three superstars you're not even expected to win the game so we can kind of you know give a little bit of props to this Pelicans team for keeping it close but still at the end of the day it is a loss big loss here that truly is kind of putting them out I would say that they're kind of officially out now of the playing tournament Kings are officially out of the playing tournament I put the Pelicans straight out so now we're just kind of stuck with the Spurs and Grizzlies at 9 and 10 so we'll see if that kind of pans out decently but uh, uh, yeah it's looking like the Western Conference is kind of wrapped up in the kind of 10 teams that are going to be in the playoffs um, it's really just going to depend on seeding you know who's going to be 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 we kind of know 8 I don't think the Lakers are going to fall down to 8 but you know basically 4, 5, 6 how is that going to pan out 5, 6, 7 how is that going to pan out so um, yeah Pelicans we will see you next year we will see you next year <clears throat> 
Alrighty, let's go to this team because this game, because this team kept themselves alive. Kept them alive last night. So fantastic work to the Bulls. We bet on them plus four. They went outright 121-99, 22-point win over the Celtics. So well done by the Bulls. Let's see where they are in the standings now. Still number 11. Three games back from the Wizards for that number 10 seed. We know it's not easy for the Bulls to get in, but it is still possible because they won the game last night. So shout out to this uh, Bulls team winning when it's urgent, winning when they need to. And, you know, that's all we can ask for for right now. Let's see if they can keep it up for the remainder five, six games. But let's talk about it here. Vucevic, Zach Levine, Daniel Tice still all in the starting lineup. Kobe White still the number one here. 25 points, 5 assists, 7 rebounds, 7 of 12 from 3. This man stepped it up big time last night. Zach Levine, 25 points as well. 2 steals, 2 assists, 5 rebounds, 3 of 9 from 3. Vucevic, 18 points, 10 assists, 14 rebounds. Love, loving that triple-double. Daniel Tice, first game back against the Celtics. 9 points, 8 rebounds. Solid work out there. And then Patrick Williams around out the starter. Seven points, two steals, two assists, four rebounds. And then off the bench, we get anything great. Uh, Thaddeus Young, nine points, one steal, one assist, three rebounds. He shot two of six from the field, not the greatest. Um, we get to Garrett Temple, four points, six rebounds, but, you know, plus 17 on the floor. Pretty pretty damn good there. We'll give him that. Uh, nothing else great. Thomas Sertansky, four points on 33% shooting. Laurie Markkanen, eight points on 20% shooting, so he was able to get to the line a couple of times, but they do have some nice offensive potential pieces out here. We can see Garrett Temple, Sartansky, Laurie Marcan, and even Thaddeus Young all going for 10 or more points every single night, so the bench or the the starters kind of all got it done in this bench a little lackluster, um, a lot of points by a lot of players, but uh, we need this Bulls bench to step up a little bit more here, um, especially when they're going to have to gear up and face some of these better teams coming up to kind of solidify their chance at getting that 10th seed. But uh, overall, a good game here by the Bulls, and uh, we're going to still continue to rock with them, folks. We would love to see this Bulls team try to get into the playoff tournament. We still want to see the Wizards. It is a little bit of a catch-22. I, I do want to see the Wizards over the Bulls. I don't want to see the Pacers in there. Um, Pacers are a half a game above the Wizards, so it is still possible that the Bulls and Wizards get in there and then the Pacers fall out. That's the dream scenario. But um, I'm going to give it up for any team that's going to fight and show us something good in that playing tournament game. And that's what we get with the Wizards so far at number 10. We know they're going to bring it every single night. We see it every we see it every night. So uh, we're this Bulls team. Meh. Meh. Um, so well done for the Bulls last night. We'll see if they can keep it up. Alrighty, let's go to the Celtics now. <clears throat> Didn't score 100 points. A little lackluster offensively. No Jalen Brown. This was their lineup that they rocked with. Marcus Smart at the 1. Kemba Walker at the 2. Evan Fournier at the 3. Jason Tatum at the 4. And Tristan Thompson at the 5. So Marcus Smart, 4 points. 5 assists, 8 rebounds. He shot 28%. Oh, 4 from 3. Big yikes there. Kemba Walker tried to do his thing. Unfortunately, he comes up a little short here. Uh, 33 points on 6 of 13 from the field or 6 of 13 from the 3, 45% from the field. So not bad, uh, but nobody else could, you know, keep up scoring with this man. So Tristan Thompson, 8 points. He had 10 rebounds. We'll give him that. Jason Tatum, real kind of lackluster game, 9 points on 20% shooting, 0 of 7 from 3. I mean, when this man is not hitting that three ball, yikes, McGee out there. So, a little unfortunate by Jason Tatum last night. Evan Fournier had a pretty good game. 17 points, 6 rebounds, 3 assists, four, 3 of 4 from 3. 
63% from the field, so that was all good. And then we can never count on anything off the bench. Peyton Pritchard gave us a nice little run of, you know, solid points, 10-plus points for about two or three games. But now he's back to two points on 25% shooting. Jabari Parker, four points. Grant Williams led the team in scoring off the bench, nine points on 40% shooting, but nothing great here off the bench here on the Celtics team, which we know. Luckily, we finally got a good game by Evan Fournier, but that came at a cost of Jason Tatum not getting it done. So we'll see how the Celtics team kind of, you know, gets it done here. They need to start to have their starting roster. Everybody's starting healthy. So when they get into the playoffs, they know what to do because they're a little kind of, you know, um, you know, uh, taped together starting lineups every single night and we'll see how it works but uh, definitely need uh, Jason Jason Brown back Jalen Brown back because it uh, it opens up their their bench a little bit better you can put Evan Fournier off the bench you can put somebody else off the bench and uh, have them kind of facilitate the bench and put up some points but uh, until they do that they're gonna be lackluster offensively just like last night so Bulls get the win very well done all right, Hornets Magic, a great win here by the Hornets, shoring up their position here, shoring up their eighth seed. Really kind of hard to move up a little bit, two games um, out from that seventh seed, but then at that time, they're still in the playing tournament. Three games out from that sixth seed to try and get out of the playing tournament. Can't really see that happening. They're a game and a half back from dropping down to the nine, uh, but at the end of the day, they're kind of locked into a uh, playing tournament spot, basically, with uh, only five games remaining. But uh, yeah, well done for the Hornets getting to win. Fantastic. I mean, we this is what we need to start seeing from kind of these kind of play in tournament teams. Can you keep winning? Because it's going to be one and done from here on out and, uh, you know, for that playing tournament. So we have to start winning and winning consistently. And we got a great night by the starters here last night by the Hornets. So LaMelo Ball back on his bullshit. 27 points, 6 assists, 6 rebounds. He shot 0 of 7 from 3. Didn't phase the man. Still got it done. Terry Rozier, 28 points. Led the team in scoring. Fantastic. 6 assists, 5 rebounds. He shot 3 of 11 from 3. Still didn't matter. He still got it done. Well done. Bismick Biombo still the starting center here, 11 points, 11 rebounds. P.J. Washington still at the four, 23 points, 9 rebounds, 4 of 6 from 3. Finally, somebody fishing for 3. And then Jalen McDaniels, 13 points, 8 rebounds to round up the starter. So very well done to every single starter out there. And then we get Cody Zeller off the bench, 8.7 rebounds. We'll take that. And Brad Wanamaker, we'll take this as well, 6 points, 5 assists, not bad. And we'll also take Caleb Martin. Why not? Three points on 0-3 from the field. Not great. But we'll take the five assists and four rebounds off the bench. So, well done for the Hornets last night. The Magic, anybody do good out here. Dwayne Bacon led the team in scoring. 28 points, four rebounds. Mo Bamba in the starting lineup. Nine points and 18 rebounds at the five. We'll take that, absolutely. Didn't shoot great, 36% on 11 shots, but I'll take those 18 rebounds all day. Uh, Cole Anthony, 20 points, five rebounds. Gary Harris, 12 points, three rebounds. Um, RJ Hampton off the bench, 16 points, five rebounds, three assists. We'll take that. And Chase and Randall, 11 points, four assists, two rebounds. So, um, just unfortunate the magic come up a little short here, 10 point loss, but, um, you know, to be expected, I would say. So well done for the Hornets. Love seeing them continuing to win some games out there. Alrighty. The Timberwolves, man. Oh man. We had a glory run about a five or six game stretch where we were taking all their points and getting it. Now it seems like Vegas has finally caught up uh, with the Timberwolves on kind of what they actually are. The spread is no longer good value. We've taken it the last three games. Plus four, uh, it's a push. Plus three, it's a one point loss. Plus six and a half last night. And uh, they lose by nine. So 
Uh, Vegas has figured out our Timberwolves magic, and unfortunately, we may have to stay away from it for the rest of the season. But it was a good run when it had when it was happening, and you know we took advantage when we could. So that's all you can ask for. So. Uh, the Heat end up beating the Timberwolves last night. Heat, well done. Great win for the Heat last night. Trying to kind of keep pace. Heat won. Celtics lost. So now the Heat have firm control. Full one game lead over the Celtics for that sixth seed. The final non-play in tournament seed at number six. So well done for the Heat. Got to give them so much credit. Uh, and now the Celtics have to kind of, you know, be burdened with a play in tournament game potentially. So well done for the Heat last night. Let's talk about them. <clears throat> Alrighty, here we go. Kendrick Nunn, 12 points, 2 assists, 2 rebounds, 0 of 6 from 3, nothing great. Duncan Robinson, 6 points, 2 of 4 from the 3, that's all he did. Uh, Bam Adebayo, four, 15 points, 4 assists, 4 rebounds. Trevor Ariza, 6 points, 8 rebounds, 1 of 9 from the field, not great. Uh, luckily, Jimmy Butler and company started to get it done. Jimmy Butler, f 25 points, 5 steals, 6 assists, 8 rebounds, truly getting it done. And then the second player that we can always rely on on this team, Goran Dragic, 23 points, 3 assists, 4 rebounds, 3 of 6 from 3. So fantastic to that. And then the icing on the cape, Tyler Hero, finally back here for this Heat team. Led the team in scoring off the bench. 27 points, 4 assists, 3 rebounds, 6 of 8 from 3. 76% shooting on 13 shots. That's what we're talking about. An absolute must-win game for this Heat team. Everybody else floundered. That's not the big two of Jimmy Butler and Goran Dragic. And Tyler Hero steps up absolutely bigly here. So well done to the kid. Well done to Tyler Hero. Shout him out. Well done. Big win here for the Heat. All right, now the Timberwolves now. Who did not step up here? We see D'Angelo Russell and Ricky Rubio in the starting lineup. They both got it done, but it didn't translate to a win here. Truly unfortunate. So here we go. Ricky Rubio at the 1, 16 points, 9 assists, 3 rebounds. D'Angelo Russell, 17 points, 4 assists, 3 rebounds, 4 of 7 from 3. Carl Anthony Towns, 27 points, 4 assists, 6 rebounds. Jared Vanderbilt at the 4, 8 points, 11 rebounds. And then Anthony Edwards at the 3, 25 points, 6 rebounds, and 3 assists. Real great night from him. Wasn't efficient from 3, 2 of 9, but those 25 points, absolutely freaking lootly. Now, they didn't have that good bench like the Heat did. Juancho Hernana Gomez was the leading scorer off the bench of 8 points, but not 27% shooting on 11 shots, 1 of 7 from 3. Truly not great. So, <clears throat> couldn't get the help off the bench, but the big three, folks, that's the only thing we're really kind of bigly focusing on here of this Timberwolves team since they're kind of out of the playoffs now. Uh, we want to see Carl Anthony Towns, DeAndre Russell, and uh, Anthony Edwards work because we're looking bigly into this Timberwolves team come next season. They just need maybe, they need definitely another kind of bench player and maybe kind of, you know, a good superstar-esque uh, caliber player to kind of really truly top off this Timberwolves team. But I I'm down to rock the D-low, Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards, big three next season, truly, so... Uh, still well done to be competitive nine point loss against a, you know, a, you know, against a better, better overall heat team. So well done to the Timberwolves. All right, let's keep moving on here. Bucks, Rockets, Bucks, absolutely dominant win here. And this is why, uh, where are the Bucks right now in our power rankings? They are number two. Can we move them up to a number one? Nuggets did just lose last night, but it was truly competitive and they still got it done offensively. So I don't want to really move the Bucks to this number one seed just quite yet. Um, uh, maybe, maybe we'll try to do it tomorrow, potentially on what happens, but, um, or maybe Monday, the next time these teams play. 
But uh, this Bucks team putting up 141 points, this is the thing that's going to make them win. Their offensive production is so much better than what it was last year. The threes are hitting, the down low paint numbers are always hitting, and just everybody's on their game. Kind of more than 75% of these games they are. So I give this Bucks team so much credit, and now this is the dangerous Bucks team. This is the Bucks team we need to worry about in the playoffs that is going to be absolutely dangerous. Last year, folks, we we called the upset of the Heat. We called that before the even before the series even started. We knew the Heat were going to win it. We call. I think we called it in six games. Or uh, yeah, six four two. Uh, we called it in six games. Or no, that's not six, is it? Yeah, seven games. Yeah. We called it, yeah, we must have called it in six then. So we called Heat in six. We were never afraid of this Bucks team last year, but now, you know, beating the that Nets team twice and then beating the Wizards and then beating the Rockets, and I know the Wizards and Rockets aren't, you know, overall great teams, but at the end of the season where everybody's just trying to win just to shore up their own play, their own safety for next season, or just their play-in tournament seeding or just playoff seeding in general, and the Bucks are taking all this action and getting it done and putting up the mother-loving points, folks. They just put up a 141 last night. Well done. So I'm definitely afraid of this Bucks team now. And uh, they they have a real great chance of coming out the East, folks. It's really going to be them or the 76ers. I, I can't see the Heat anymore. Or I can't see the Nets anymore coming out of the East. But here we go for the Bucks last night. Drew Holiday, 20 points, 2 blocks, 2 steals, 8 assists, 4 rebounds, 4 of 9 from 3. Dante DiVincenzo, baby, 18 points, 4 assists, 7 rebounds, 4 of 10 from 3. Brooke Lopez, 24 points, 7 rebounds. Giannis Antetokounmpo, 17 points. He was the least scorer of the starting roster. And they still put up 141 points, folks. This is why this Bucks team is dangerous because you don't need to rely on Giannis anymore. You've got Drew Holiday. You've got Chris Middleton. You've got Brooke Lopez. You've got Dante DiVincenzo. He doesn't step it up every night, but on most nights when everybody else is, you know, kind of lackluster or everybody else is kind of on their A game, he could be on his A game too, and that's exactly what we saw last night. So, well done from all the starters here. Giannis, 17.7 assists, 11 rebounds, 0 of 3 from 3. So, he's still not that great three-point shooter. That's going to be, you know, a little, maybe mini red flag come into the playoffs. You know, big series that win seven games, you know, last second shot. Giannis for three. Ooh, you, gotta, you can't have the ball in his hands when you need the three. That's a little disappointment. But we'll see how it works out. Shouldn't be an issue, but there is a scenario where it could be an issue because we've seen it happen before. Last three, last second three needed to win the game or tie the game to go into overtime. So we'll see how Giannis does there. But then Chris Middleton, well done as well. 23 points, three assists, two rebounds, four of eight from three. So very well done. And then the bench. Even P.J. Tucker played last night. Very well done. You know, coming off that jaw injury that he left mid-game, their last game in, he played this game. So shout out to that as well. The big beef, the big tough beef of P.J. Tucker not letting his uh, sore jaw get in the way. All right, off the bench, though, Brian Forbes, 11 points. We'll take that, 4 or 5 from the field. Uh, Bobby Porta, 16 points, 8 rebounds in only 15 minutes. Yes, sir. Uh, so, well done. Pat Connaughton had the ability to put up a lot of points, 7 points on 1 of 6 from 3, 3 of 8 from the field, but he had 9 rebounds to go along with that. So, just an absolutely star, I don't, not star-studded team, but good, great, Role players all stepping it up this season. So, well done for this Bucks team.
And then for the Rockets, Kelly Olenek is going beast mode here for this Rockets team. Trying his all here. Trying to, hey, I belong somewhere in this league. I know the Heat just got rid of me, but uh, I don't know if I want to be with the Rockets next season. But um, I definitely can still play. So Kelly Olenek at the 5, 23 points, 7 assists, 12 rebounds. Well done. Uh, Kenyon Martin led the team in scoring 26 points. DJ Augustine, 17 points. Kevin Porter didn't play. John Wall didn't play. And uh, Christian Wood didn't play. So the big names of this Rockets team all really not playing. Daniel House Jr. is coming off the bench now. Six points in 16 minutes. So just, uh, you know, classic Rockets team being not good. But they did put up 133 points. So we will give them credit for that. But uh, just overall, nothing great on that team anymore. All right, Mavs, Cavs, Mavs get the win here. Another great win for this Mavericks team, absolutely. Um, you know, still the number fifth seed here in the Western Conference, trying to stay above that seventh seed, which seems to be like a lock now since they had that two-game lead over the Lakers uh, for that last uh, play-in tournament spot. So, well done for the Mavericks. And let's see what Luka Doncic did. 24 points, only one assist. One assist, Luka. What are we doing out there? But uh, 24 points, led the team in scoring. Still no Porzingis. Eight rebounds. He shot one of five from three. Not great either. Um, Josh Richardson, 18 points, five rebounds, three assists, three steals. Willie Colney-Stein still at the five, three points, six rebounds. Dorian Finney-Smith, five points, five rebounds. And then look at this man again, Tim Hardaway Jr., 20 points, two assists, two rebounds, three of nine from three. I'll give him that all day. So we can count on uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. here, man. And, you know, I definitely am looking at him at sixth man of the year. Let's get his career stats up. Let's get his stats up for this year. Um because we have to see if he's even eligible for six man of the year. He's been in the starting lineup a little bit this season, um, a little in the beginning, a little here at the end. But, you know, majority of this kind of season, I think it was coming off the bench. So let's get an accurate number on this man because we are really considering him heavy in the six man of the year competition for, or yeah, category. Yes, Jordan Clarkson, he's putting up like 20 points a game because he's taking like 40 shots off the bench. I mean, he's the only one taking shots off the bench, folks. So that's why his you know numbers are so high. Is it really? It is translating to wins, but they do have a really good kind of starting team. Where this Mavericks team, their their starting roster is not as good as the Jazz. So you know, Tim Hardaway Jr.'s kind of contribution is a little bit better in our opinion overall than what Jordan Clarkson is doing. Um, but let's get official numbers on this man, Tim Hardaway Jr. here. Alrighty, let's go to his uh, splits for this year. All righty. So he was a reserve for 39 games, started in 26 games. So can we give him six man of the year? I don't know what the official cutoff is. I think you have to be on the bench more than what you do in the starting roster. I think that's the only stipulation for six man of the year. But here we go. As a reserve, he's putting up 15 points, three rebounds, one assist. And in the starting lineup, 18 points, three rebounds, one assist. So, you know, elevating his play a little bit more in the start with the points department in the starting lineup. But 15, 3, and 1, that's really it. He's only averaging one assist. Mm, I thought it was a little higher than that. Meh. Yeah. Alrighty. We'll keep an eye on him. What is, uh, let's get Jordan Clarkson just because I think he's the clear favorite, I think. We can also look at um, DraftKings to get an official official kind of ranking. Because like we said, folks, Vegas does not lose money. So whatever they got going on. Uh, Jordan Clarkson is averaging 17-4-2 this year. 
Let's see how many times he's been in the starting lineup. Not as many. Uh, not 26, I can guarantee you that, like um, Tim Hardaway Jr. has. Um, all right, here we go. Reserve, yeah, one, one game starting, 62 off the bench. Uh, so 17 points, four rebounds, two assists off the bench. So Tim Hardaway Jr., with that only one, like 1. 1.6 assists, it's not that you know much of a decline um, over Jordan Clarkson. So, yeah, I'm, I'm still kind of, you know, in favor of um, Tim Hardaway Jr. as the sixth man of the year. Let's quickly go to this NBA. I do want to kind of quickly see this. I don't think we're going to get to everything on the show today. We still got games to go over. We're an hour and 17 in. But um, let's go to awards. Let's see where they got um, Tim Hardaway Jr. ranked here at sixth man of the year. So they got Jordan Clarkson and then Joe Ingles. Folks, they're on the same team. How are you going to put two of those same players on the same team as the kind of top two uh, sixth man of the year Candidates, what is that about? How, how are you with the sixth man of the year if there's two great bench players? Does that make sense? I don't think so. So, Jordan Clarkson is the clear cut favorite of minus 1250, folks. That's almost a sure thing at this point, truly unfortunate. And then Joe Ingles is number two at plus 500. And then Jalen Brunson, number three. And then Montrez Harrell at number four. And then Shake Milton at number five. Derrick Rose, number six. Thaddeus Young, number seven. Kamarl Anthony, number eight. Chris Boucher, number nine. Goran Dragic, number 10. Tyler Hero, number 11. Tyler Hero, number 11. Are you kidding me? Um, Bobby Portis, 12. Terrence Ross, 13. Malik Monk, 14. And TJ McConnell, 15. I mean, Tim Hardaway Jr. is not even on this list. Is this... Uh, I don't know about that, folks. I don't know about that. Um... He's leading them to wins, y'all. I mean, the Mavericks got 39 wins now. They're the fifth seed in the West. So, I think Tim Hardaway Jr. is getting a little swept under the rug here. Swept under the rug here, truly. But, alrighty. The Mavericks get the win over the Cavs. Anything good on this Cavs team? What do we got? Colin Sexton. Darius Garland still not playing. Colin Sexton, 27 points. We can always rely on him. Jared Allen, 5 points, 12 rebounds. C.D. Osmond, 22 points. We'll get behind that. 2 of 10 from 3, not the greatest. But uh, we'll take those 22 points. And that was really it. All right, let's move off of this one. Well done by the Mavericks. All right, what else do we get? Uh, nuggets in the Jazz. Nuggets in the Jazz. And this is why I really don't want to kind of move down the Nuggets here in our power rankings at number one. Um, just the Jazz had Bohan Bogdanovich absolutely get it done. Put up 48 points. And, you know, this Nuggets team still still kept it close. Put up 120 points offensively. So that's not the problem. It's just that Bogdanovich went absolutely manic, unfortunately. So, we're still counting. This is this is a good win for the Jazz. Don't get us wrong. We're not trying to discount this Jazz team, but this isn't a total bad loss here for the Nuggets. So we're going to keep the power rankings the same here for this Nuggets team. Not going to move them back any. Uh, but here we go with this uh, Nuggets lineup. Still keeping kind of Michael Porter Jr. at the two here, and it's still working out. Facundo Capazzo, a little bit of a lackluster game here. Really haven't seen that too much by him, but uh, let's talk about it here. We'll start here with the Nuggets because I want to start here with the Nuggets. Uh, Facundo Capazzo, five points, but on 20% shooting, one of seven from three. Really not great, but he had nine assists and eight rebounds. So that's all good. Just that scoring production, a little lackluster, uh, a little unfortunate. But Michael Porter Jr., 31 points, led the team in scoring, six rebounds. One assist, four of nine from three, and 52% on 19 shots. I love that Michael Porter Jr. is backing up all that talk that we heard last season. I mean, got to shout this man out every single day. And we do, but uh, this, that's why, folks, truly. Um, all right, Joe Cake, 24 points, 13 rebounds, nine, or 13 assists, nine rebounds, two of two from three, 81% on 11 shots. Great night. Paul Millsap back in the starting lineup at the four. 
19 points, 2 assists. And then Aaron Gordon at the 3, 10 points on 55% shooting, 6 rebounds to go along with that, 0 of 3 from 3. Um, off the bench, what did we get? Austin Rivers. Well done, Austin Rivers. Here we go. Truly taking full advantage here. 18 points, 3 assists, 2 rebounds, 5 of 7 from 3. Then we get Jamichael Green. He put up 9 points and 2 rebounds. Not bad. 3 of 4 from the 3. We'll take that. So just a little unfortunate Facundo Capazzo couldn't be that great. Aaron Gordon doesn't really give us those points. I mean, we don't really rely on Aaron Gordon for points. It's just a defense. Um, so... Overall, good game here still by the Nuggets team, and we're still buying them. This is not a kind of, you know, um, abandoned ship loss on this Nuggets team. It's still good. They put up 120 points, so that's all we can ask for. Their offense is still getting it done without um, Jamal Murray. That's all we're really looking for on this Nuggets team, so well done. Alrighty, here we go for the Jazz. We got to start with Bohan Bogdanovich. Yes, sir, those Bogdanovich brothers getting it done. 48 points, folks, on 8 of 11 from 3. 69% on 23 shots, folks. It's magnificent. So well done to that. 8 rebounds to go along with that. 2 assists, 2 steals. Uh, what else we get here? Joe Ingles still in the starting lineup. 10 points, 9 assists, 3 rebounds. You're telling me this is 6th man of the year? Mm, I don't know. I don't know about that. Um, Royce O'Neal at the 2 still. 7 points, 2 rebounds. Rudy Gobert, 14 points, 9 rebounds. George Isney Yang still in the starting lineup at the 4. 13 points, 4 rebounds, 3 of 6 from 3. Not bad. And then we get Jordan Clarkson, obviously, 21 points, 8 assists, 5 rebounds, 6 of 14 from the 3. Folks, he's taking 20 shots a game. You know what I mean? He's playing 37 minutes. He's taking 20 shots a game. No other bench player here is playing that many minutes. So, yes, Jordan Clarkson, you know, is statistically the sixth man of the year, but his true impact on this kind of stacked roster, now it's not stacked because they don't have Donovan Mitchell anymore and Mike Connolly hasn't been playing, so, you know, now his production goes even higher now. Um, so, I'm still a little iffy on Jordan Clarkson being the sixth man of the year. I'm not, I don't think it's as clear cut as kind of DraftKings is making it seem like with their sports book, but um, we can't argue with money, can we? We can't argue with the money. And the money is on Jordan Clarkson, obviously. That's why he's minus freaking 1,250. I don't get it. <laughs> um, all right, let's keep moving on here. Suns, Knicks, a little unfortunate loss here by the Knicks. And I'm glad we, you know, we had to move this Knicks team down. You know, we have, you know, reasons to do so. Um, and we also had the Suns above the Knicks. Once again, that was proven last night. So, you know, we know what we're talking about a little bit here. But this Knicks team, not really too much, uh, not really too ready to kind of compete with these elite teams, the top four, the top two in the East, top two in the West. They're just not really quite ready to compete with them consistently. So, uh, kind of a blowout loss here. Yes, the Knicks were kind of leading uh, majority? Do we say majority of the game? At least the first half. They were having, you know, good success, but second half, the Suns really get it done. What quarter did they break it open in? Um, really, the fourth quarter, outscoring them 38 to 17. They still outscored them 34 to 25 in the first half, uh, in the second half, in the third quarter. But uh, yeah, this next team. Uh, they, they'll probably make it past the first round of the playoffs, potentially. It's, it's still the the Hawks, right, here in the Western Conference, Eastern Conference. They do have home court advantage, though, half a game above that. So, well done to that. But uh, let's get back to this next team here. We'll start here with the Suns. All righty, Chris Paul, 17 points, 11 assists, 6 rebounds. Well done. Devin Booker, 16 points, 4 rebounds, 3 assists. He had a lackluster scoring night, 25% shooting on 12 shots. Not the greatest. But DeAndre Ayton, what a game. 26 points, 15 rebounds, eating down low. 
Torrey Craig still at the four in place of Jay Crowder. Um, even though Jay Crowder's back, he's still coming off the bench. So Torrey Craig, seven points, six rebounds. My, McCall Bridges at the three, 16 points, four rebounds. And then off the bench, yes, sir, yes, sir. Everybody getting it done here off the bench. Cameron Payne, 15 points, three assists. Jay Crowder, 18 points. Fantastic, three assists, two rebounds. He shot six of 12 from three off the bench. And then Frank Kaminsky, 10.6 rebounds off the bench. So well done here for the bench of the Suns, able to get it done. And like we said, this Suns team will go as far as the bench brings them because they've got some nice scores here. Cameron Payne, Cameron Johnson, Jay Crowder, Frank Kaminsky, Dario Sarek, even Javon Carter can get in if they need it. That's five great depth of just pure bench players, folks. And then maybe if you have, you know, Jay Crowder in the starting lineup, that still puts Torrey Craig off the bench. So they've still got bench pieces, folks. They've got bench depth they just need to kind of play great consistently and that's where we get a little iffy on we don't really get that many bench players giving us a 10 point production on a gamely basis you know we'll have other we'll have you know different players every single night but it's not really like two or three getting it done off the bench on any given night so that's where it gets a little iffy with the suns Alrighty, now let's go to the knicks now julius randall 24 points 11 rebounds four assists Reggie Bullock, 12 points, 3 assists, 3 rebounds. R.J. Barrett, 23 points, 8 rebounds, 3 assists, 5 of 11 from 3. Alfred Payton, a little lackluster game, scoring the ball, 5 points on 28% shooting. And then Norland Snow still at the 5, 5 points, but 5 rebounds in 22 minutes. Not the best there either. Now, off the bench here for the Knicks, Derrick Rose gets it done. We can always rely on him. 17 points on 50% shooting, 6 assists, 4 rebounds. Taj Gibson, 11 points, 6 rebounds. Um, Emmanuel quickly didn't play. Obi Toppin played 8 points. So this Knicks team, we know they need their bench to really be a huge contributor of their scoring with Alfred Payton and Nerlens Noel um, in the starting lineup not really getting it done. Once again, another hindrance of them. We need this Knicks team. Everybody, everybody, folks. It's everybody on this team. They don't have that superstar like a, you know Devin Booker or Jason Tatum that can go and get you 35, 40 points every single game to kind of carry the load. This Knicks team is truly dependent on every single single player that steps out on the floor and that's why they lose some games because they're a little lackluster off the bench or in the starting lineup combination of the two that was kind of what it was last night Alrighty, let's try to keep it going here um, to the Lakers and the Blazers now. Blazers get the win, close win, but it is still a win, so we can shout out the Blazers a little bit here. Um, sixth seed here in the Western Conference. Really don't want to see this Blazers team in the playing tournament. I would like to kind of see them go far um, in the playoffs, and uh, you know, if you're kind of hindered on you know just kind of getting into the playoffs, you're not going to be that fresh come Series 1, so... Blazers are seeming to kind of get it figured out here at the back half of the season. Went through that kind of stretch where they were like absolutely trash, like two and eight in their last ten, losing like six straight, looking real bad. But uh, they're back on track here, six and four in their last ten, winning again against the Lakers last night. If we can get behind them a little bit more. All right, here we go. Damian Lillard, thirty-eight points, seven assists, four rebounds, five of nine from three. Love that. CJ McCollum, 21 points, 4 assists, 3 rebounds, 2 of 7 from 3, not the greatest. Nurchich, 10 points, 13 rebounds. Robert Covington, 3 points on 10 shots. Jeez Louise, 1 of 7 from 3, 1 of 10 from the field. Yikes, 8 rebounds to go along with that poor shooting performance. 
And then Norman Powell still at the three. 19 points, two rebounds, one assist, three of eight from three. And then really just nothing great off the bench. We got Anthony Simons, two points on four shots. Carmelo Anthony, three points on three shots. Ennis Cantor off the bench. He did pretty good. 10 points, 10 rebounds. We'll take that, but... Once again, no Derek Jones Jr. playing. What the heck is going on with that? He's not playing. He's off the bench. He's in the starting lineup with Norman Powell's not there. Then he's back to not even playing. So, I don't know. But they definitely need their bench to get it going. The Blazers, please, somebody step up on their bench consistently. All right, and then the Lakers here. Kyle Kuzma floundered this game. We saw Kyle Kuzma, you know, be the only person to do anything offensively in their last game. And now here he is, four points on 18% shooting, 0 of 6 from the three. So not consistent Kyle Kuzma, and we know that. Anthony Davis, 36 points, 12 rebounds, 5 assists, trying his damnedest. Andre Drummond, 4 points, 9 rebounds. KCP, he put up 17 points on 55% shooting, 5 assists, 4 rebounds. Alex Caruso, 18 points, 6 rebounds, 2 assists. And then nothing great off the bench because we know this Lakers team is absolutely trash. They've got nothing good. I don't even know, man. I want to root for the Lakers because I love LeBron James. But, geez, Louise, I mean, we can't count on anybody really else to get it done. Andre Drummond's been truly lackluster for this team, truly finesse. The Cavs finesse the hack out of the Lakers. Well, not even because it wasn't it wasn't even a trade. So the Cavs truly got nothing for Andre Drummond, but um, they yeah they moved him, I guess. But I don't know, I don't know. Andre Drummond he finessed everybody. Let's just say, let's just put it like that. Um, what else do we get here? I mean, Ben McLemore, we're gonna need him to step up, but he didn't. Six points on two of nine from the field, definitely not great. So, Lakers lose again. Anthony Davis trying his damnedest. Hopefully, when LeBron gets back and they have to do the play-in tournament, they can get it done because, I mean, I want to see what they can do. But, uh, not great by the Lakers. All right, last game of the night, the Kings letting us down big time. We bet on them. We were rooting for them. We gave them the special, the coveted number 11 in our power rankings that we've never done. We did it last week with the Timberwolves because they impressed us, and then we decided to give the Kings a little bit of a chance here, and they blow it. They blow it big time. So, Kings, goodbye. You're done. No, no, no longer number 11. We're not even going to have a number 11 anymore. I'm truly done with it. Actually, we'll put the Bulls at number 11. Let's put the Bulls up there and our little respect here beating the Celtics last night still being in contention here so we'll put the Bulls at number 11 but um the Kings man come on really kind of floundered in the fourth quarter couldn't get it done um got out scored 35 to 23 in the fourth quarter man oh man y'all had the game y'all had it and then you blow it at home you blow it so um, just truly unfortunate here. De'Aaron Fox still did not play for this team, and they lost, so that's not great. We saw them kind of winning without De'Aaron Fox, and now they lose without De'Aaron Fox, so now that kind of goes out the window, so... Um, I, I just truly disappointing, man. It's it's almost over. It's over for the Kings. I'm calling it officially over. Time of death. Um, one thirty one on five eight twenty one. So, um, R.I.P. to the Kings, letting us down, making us look like fools out here. Truly disrespectful. All right, so let's start here with this Kings team. Anybody do anything good? D-line Wright, 17 points, 7 rebounds, 9 assists. Buddy Heald, 17 points, 6 assists, 5 rebounds, 5 of 12 from 3. Raquan Holmes, 15 points, 5 assists, 5 rebounds. Marvin Bagley, 4 points on 5 shots. Maurice Harkless, 12 points, 4 assists, 5 rebounds. Nothing great in the starting lineup. Off the bench, we got Terrence Davis putting up 24 big old points. But that's really it. Nothing else great from this team. So, Kings, 
trying to work their way up, but then they kind of run into a real opponent and lose against the Spurs. Not good. Now let's see what the Spurs did. All their starters got it done. DeJounte Murray, 22 points, 7 assists, 5 rebounds, 0-5 from 3. They didn't even hit any threes. Folks, how does this even happen? How do you lose... How does this Kings team lose when all they do is score the three ball, when the Spurs only put up four threes and you put up 13? Uh, oh, Kings, Kings, truly letting us down last night. Uh, I don't know if I've been more disappointed in a team all season. One game, Kings, that's what all we were asking from you. One game, and you let us down big time, and you put up 13 threes. Held this burst to four threes, folks. DeJounte Murray, 0-5 from three. Lonnie Walker, 0-5 from three. Nobody else taking big threes like that and missing that many, but unfortunate. Um, Lonnie Walker put up 16 points on those 0-5 from threes. Jacob Podol, 11 points, 10 rebounds. Keldon Johnson, 16 points, 5 rebounds. DeMar DeRozan, 25 points. Led the team in scoring. Six rebounds, didn't even take a three. He was at y'all shooting, y'all hitting four. <laughs> I'm not even going to try <laughs> Um, all right, and then off the bench, anything good? Rudy Gay put up 14. We can always rely on, like, either Rudy Gay or Drew Eubanks, Patty Mills to give us some points, and it was Rudy Gay last night. So, well done for the Spurs, man. They they kind of get it done when they need to. So, that's a little, you know, a little respect that we can give them, but uh, they're not going to win that playing tournament. They're not going to win that playing tournament. They're not going to win that playing tournament. <laughs> They're going to lose against the Grizzlies first round, folks. I hope so. Um, I'd rather see the Grizzlies try and do something than the Spurs. I think the Grizzlies are a little bit more exciting. You got John Morant. You got Valanchunas, Grayson Allen. He may trip somebody, kick somebody in the head. We don't know. Um, so that was the basketball from last night, folks. Kings letting us down tremendously. All righty. Let's go to what's on tap for today. Anything good? Anything good? Any big team? Any big games going on? So here we go. Wizards Pacers. Oh my goodness! Big game right off the ramp here for the Wizards. Winner, winner gets the ninth seed. Winner gets the ninth seed here tonight between the Wizards and the Pacers. So not going to really change anything. I think you have home court uh, for the first playing game, which is always great. But um, yeah, huge game here. Probably the first playing game, playing tournament game. So huge game here for the Wizards tonight. Wizards Pacers. Then we get Pistons, 76ers, Grizzlies, Raptors, Nets, Nuggets. Ooh, Nets, Kyrie Irving against the best team in the league. How is that going to go over? Um, Rockets, Jazz, Thunder, Warriors, Spurs, Blazers. Oh, Spurs, another huge game here for them to win to really kind of solidify. If they can win tonight, if the Spurs can win tonight, it's basically over. It's basically over in the Western Conference. Pelicans and Kings done. They're basically done, but uh, if the Spurs win tonight, it's officially official. All right, here we go. Let's um, get our moneymaker right for tonight's action. Let's see where the good value is. Let's refresh these lines, get these lines up to date. All righty, so here we go. First game up is the Wizards and the Pacers. Wizards minus 3.5, Pacers plus 3.5. Um, just everybody's going to go for the Wizards. And for the Pacers, Jeremy Lamb, game time decision. Malcolm Brogdon, game time decision. Jokar Sampson is out. Miles Turner's out. And Edmund Sumner's a game time decision. So a lot of red, or a lot of kind of question marks for this uh, Pacers team. I'm sure they're all go. I mean, this is kind of, it's not must win game for this Pacers team, but uh, you know, they have the kind of home court advantage so far for that first playing tournament game. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think the Bulls are going to get in. And, you know, if the Pacers lose, you know, maybe. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, we're going to swallow the three and a half here for this Wizards team. They always get it done when they need to. Huge game here. They want that ninth seed. They want to move up as much as they can. And they want to kind of have that first kind of opportunity to get kind of, you know, a sense of what it is going to take to beat that Pacers team come that first playing tournament game because that's the scheduled matchup so far, Wizards-Pacers. So we'll swallow the three and a half here for the Wizards. They get it done. Russell Westbrook gets it done. Alrighty, Grizzlies and the Raptors. Grizzlies minus five and a half, Raptors plus five and a half. Basically, it's over for this Raptors team. Um, they, they, you know, they're lost the other night. Now Four games back from that 10 seed. It's almost impossible now. Um, so for the Grizzlies, Grayson Allen is out. And then for the Raptors, Kyle Lowry's out. Fred Van Vliet is out. Paul Watson's out. Utah Watanabe's a game-time decision. OG Ananubi's out. Chris Boucher is out. So all of their good players are out. They've got nothing to play for, really. The Grizzlies trying to get into that eighth seed. So you have, you know, two chances at the, you know, playoff spot instead instead of just the one if you're the 9 and 10 seed. So there is still stuff to play for for this Grizzlies team. Minus 5.5, we'll swallow that. The Raptors, I think they're kind of going to phone it in for the rest of the season. Alrighty, then we get the Nets and the Nuggets. The Nets minus 3.5, the Nuggets plus 3.5. Interesting here. Let's see who's all good to go. For the Nets, it's just James Harden and Chris Chiazza out. And then for the Nuggets, Will Barton game time decision, Monte Morris a game time decision. This Nets team could be, or this Nuggets team could be getting their bench back, and that's exactly what they need. PJ Dozier is still out, unfortunately, but then uh, you know Zeke Naja is uh, Naji is a game time decision as well. So if they get Monte Morris back, that's going to be fantastic for Facundo uh, Capazzo. We can get you know Monte Morris running that second team. Will Barton running that second team as well. So. We get the Nuggets plus three and a half here. They just lost to the Jazz last night, but the offense really wasn't the problem there. So we're going to bet the Nuggets plus the points here. Another game here. They really don't lose back-to-back -back games, this Nuggets team. Now, this is against, you know, decent competition here, the Jazz and the Nets. So if they lose against this Nets team, we're going to have to drop the Nuggets a little bit in our power rankings because we've got them at the number one team. And if you're losing at the end of the season against the good teams, the best teams, it's not the greatest kind of green flag for us. So we're going to take the points here for the Nuggets on the bounce back. They could potentially be getting some good bench help, some needed bench help. Alrighty, the Spurs and the Blazers now. Spurs plus 11, Blazer, or geez, Spurs plus 6, Blazers minus 6. Alrighty, close one here. Both of these pl teams just played yesterday. Trey Lyles is a game-time decision for the Spurs, and Zach Collins is out for the Blazers still. But uh, we're going to stay away from this one. I mean, the Blazers just barely beat the Lakers. You know, we took that minus 8.5, and, and what did they win by, like 6, 5? Um, so that's, this spread is not – I'm not about this spread, so we'll stay away from it. Thunder Warriors, not going to take. It's way too much there. Plus 14, minus 14. We're not taking that. Same thing with the Rockets and the Jazz. We're not going to take that, especially against kind of, you know, this is in the back-to-back. -back. They just played last night, right? Rockets, Jazz. I don't know. Jazz faced the Nuggets. Who do the Rockets? Uh, they kept up pace with the Bucks. That's right, putting up 133 points. So we'll just stay away from these last two games. Two big of spreads that we do not want to swallow. So we're still good with this. So uh, Wizards minus 3.5. Grizzlies minus 5.5. Nuggets plus 3.5. Feeling real good. Alrighty, so that's going to do it for us today. We're going to have to skip, uh, you know, the grades here. We'll do that tomorrow. We'll fit that in tomorrow. Well, we're actually not here tomorrow because Mother's Day. So uh, Monday, we might be tomorrow. We might be. Uh, that's still up in the air, but we'll see. Probably not. 
I would err on the side of we will not be here tomorrow. But uh, still potential. Still potential. Um, all right. So we're back tomorrow. Maybe. <laughs> we're back definitely Monday. Maybe tomorrow. Um, all right. Uh, so we're back. Back. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe <laughs> Monday. Maybe, folks. We don't know what we're doing tomorrow yet. Uh, but either way, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching. And we'll see you maybe tomorrow. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe.